You are listening to episode number 17 of the Mind Body Academy podcast with Sarah Rose. This isn't an NBA. This is the NBA. This is the place for you to get coached and make health and happiness the business of how you get ahead in life. You get coached. Coached. This is the startup of you. You get coached. And now, your coach, Sarah Rose. Hey everyone, how are you all holding up? I know that it's been a whole lot of crazy town out there with the virus and being exposed to you know, conditions of quarantine and social distancing and what does any of that all mean and <laughs> what's the meaning of life amidst all of this. It's been a lot to adapt to for many of us and I want you to know that I've been thinking about all of you in the midst of this. You know, I think each of us knows people who are personally being touched by this, be it people who've returned from travels and are feeling anxious about potentially being carriers or not really knowing how to cope with the people in their lives kind of really wanting to maintain that distance from them, (laughs) almost feeling like judged for it, but then also people who are facing the very real potential of having to close their businesses, not just for now, but for good, not being able to make rent, not being able to support their families through this time. And, you know, at a time where we hear a lot about this idea of putting distance between one another, never more has there been a need for connectedness. So finding ways to touch into each other's lives and to pull each other up despite not being able to be in the same vicinity or proximity. There's actually this poem by one of my favorite poets who's from Tobago and the poem goes, touching her without touching her really touches her. And so right now, We're needing to open up our creativity to finding ways to make each other feel held and supported through these times and fully embraced for where they are. Because what we're recognizing is that there are many moments that we go through in this life where the unpredictable happens and the only way through is to ask for help. And there are a lot of people asking for help right now. And you can both be asking for help and be helping. We're, you know, oscillating between those two roles. And that's the way that we'll get through this. And, you know, before the coronavirus, there was already a lot of stress for most of us. And so what we're seeing happen right now is just this amplification of stress levels that were already at epidemic proportions and 
the Harvard Medical Review even reported that stress before all of this was accounting for nine out of 10 hospital visits. So we can only imagine what's going on right now and how a lot of this is being experienced in the mind. Because all of a sudden, you know, in our homes, if we're still in our workplaces, what we're left with are a lot of our thoughts about what's going on. Just you and your thoughts. (laughs) And what this heightened climate of anxiety is bringing into focus for many of us is a glaring blind spot in most of our lives and in our society in general, which is the global state of our physical and mental health, right? This tendency to have this reactionary relationship to our health instead of one that's rooted in consistent care and consciousness and a responsiveness. What we're witnessing is in a very real way, we're seeing how health underpins everything that we do. We can see that right now. It's the root of all the other forms of health in our life, our financial health, our business health, the health of our families, of our communities. And when there's a threat to our health, we feel how it's that solid base that holds everything else up in our lives. So as these things that are typically at the forefront of our lives are put on hold, work, school, events, all of a sudden we're left with the backdrop, which is our lives. And all our thoughts about our lives and the way that we think things should be right now and that our lives should be. And we're witnessing everything that's always there, but all of a sudden it comes into focus. The things that we have work and normalcy to distract away from, it's all right there. So the stress of that creates just this cesspool of negative emotion that so many of us are stewing in. Our brain juice has just become like sewer water. And there's a whole lot of stinking thinking that's making us feel really shitty right now. And so stress becomes this clog that kind of dries up the well, the well of our inner wisdom and creativity when it comes to how we want to show up in the midst of all of this, how we want to decide to go about doing that. Who are we in the midst of what's going on? And what a lot of us are facing right now is how deeply grooved our survival triggers are when we feel scarce. We're just in the throes of so much scarcity right now. Scarcity of access to food and supplies. Scarcity of information. Is the right information? Is it misinformation? What's the latest statistic? Scarcity of money, right? People and businesses without the cash flow to carry them through. The global economic downturn. Scarcity of time. Or scarcity of things to do with our time. Scarcity of work. People being put out of work. Being fired, let go. Just an overarching scarcity of control that's giving way to stress and panic. And beneath that, a fear that we won't have our needs met. What we're craving is certainty right now. And that's why so many of us are turning to food. We can feel very certain about the relief that we'll get from eating it. 
but it's temporary. And I want to tell you more about that on today's episode, how to deal with a lot of the ways that we're coping with stress right now through food. Right now, it's so important to pay attention to what you're consuming, not only to what you're eating, but also what you're thinking, what's going on, what you're listening to, and who you're listening to. If we don't pay attention to what and how we're consuming, all of that becomes very all-consuming. We incapacitate ourselves because there's just this glut in all of our inputs and all of our consumption that we're unable to process and digest. So see it as your responsibility to seek out all the stress-reducing and immune-boosting inputs that you can right now. One thing's for sure, eating takes your mind off the stress, but it does nothing to resolve the stress. You eat, and for a moment you stop paying attention to the stress, but the stress is still there. So we need to be honest with ourselves. How will your life be better after corona if you ate the whole time? It won't. So important that you see that. Your feelings aren't hungry right now, so you don't have to keep feeding them food. And I want to tell you everything that you need to know about feeling your feelings instead of eating them. Most of us have so much resistance to feeling bad that we don't actually know how to feel bad. So we just end up eating and eating and eating, and then we get to feel bad about eating instead of dealing with the cause of why we're feeling bad in the first place. Eating actually makes it worse because it allows you to stuff down that first emotion and it's not that it goes away. It just goes into the unconscious where you can't really do anything about it and it makes it more likely that you keep reacting to it. So how do you not eat when it sucks? Do you know how to do that? I was walking through the grocery store yesterday and it was a little eerie. Lots of empty shelves and overwhelmingly what was gone were the snack foods, the highly processed foods, the frozen foods, the foods that are going to be overconsumed, filler foods. So why are we turning to food? We're turning to food for a reason. And most of the time, We don't pause long enough to tell ourselves the truth about what those reasons are, the truth about what's really going on with us. You want to stop yourself and ask, why? Why are you feeling bad? You're probably going to have thoughts like, because of the coronavirus, because it's crazy right now at home with the kids, because I don't know if I'll be able to make rent or keep my business going. It's going to seem like those things are responsible for your feelings. But what I want to offer and what I want you to really get from this episode is that there's a difference between things happening to you and feeling some type of way about them and things happening to you and you deciding how you want to feel about those things. When you delegate responsibility for your emotions, to an outside circumstance, 
That means you can no longer regulate it internally. That is what makes some of these emotions like stress and worry that feel very justified feel so out of control. What's happening right now for most people is that we're expecting other people or our situation to take care of our emotional needs. So we're waiting to feel better on the other side of the situation improving or someone doing something about it. What I'm getting at is that feeling better is available to you now. It's all in you. And it just comes down to deciding that you're going to feel stress about what's going on versus just getting stressed about what's going on. Because you might decide that stress is an appropriate and healthy response. It can be. It might be producing precautionary action. And, you know, that's going to look very different than when that stress is unchecked and you spend all of this energy and money and resourcefulness preparing for something that isn't even real. And I'm not saying the virus isn't real, but I'm saying how we experience the threat is. Many of you are so stressed out right now that you're letting the coronavirus infect your thinking and your emotional state. You don't have it in your body, but you have it in your brain. And if it wasn't clear before, I think it's very clear now that you can't control the world. You can't control the latest statistic or the spread of the infection. But I want you to focus on what you can control and what you can do. Because right now, it's normal and natural that most of us, in the way that our brain is wired, we're focused on what we don't have control of. And we focus on feeling very out of control. So I want you to experience taking some of that control back and recognizing what you do have and what you can control. You can choose how you assess the situation and you can choose how you respond. Neither the virus nor food has to control your life. You choose. Before you hit the panic button, I want you to practice what I teach my clients. I want you to practice the power pause. I want you to reset and reassess instead of going straight into the reaction. I have my clients take five deep breaths. Five. If they're feeling panicked or before they eat anything. That's what allows them to check in. Where am I right now in my body? Where am I right now in my mind? Am I physically hungry? No. Okay. So what feeling do I most need right now that I'm going to food for? The reason we're going to food is because of how we think we'll feel. So what is that feeling that we're seeking to create for ourselves? How else can you get relief right now? You have to anticipate the urge to eat being there and be onto yourself. The urge isn't such a problem if you're expecting it. It's like being told that someone is going to pop out of nowhere in a horror movie scene just a couple of seconds before it happens. 
You can still be startled by it, but you'll be prepared for it. So the more you prepare for the urge, the less triggered you'll be by it. Instead of being an alarm system, the urge becomes a warning system, a reminder to pay attention. And I want you to notice what it is about the stress that's triggering the urge that you're so in a hurry to get out of. Again, asking yourself, why am I feeling bad? What's going on here? Is there some legitimacy to what I'm feeling? Or is part of that my mind making all of this into a catastrophe or some drama or making excuses or seeking to diffuse some of what I'm feeling by blaming, blaming outside forces or the people around me? You want to be able to separate those things out. So number one, if there is mind drama, you can diffuse it in a way that's healthy and internally just by seeing it. And number two, so that if you do have a legitimate reason to feel bad, you're not eating your way through it. The only problem eating ever solved was hunger, physical hunger. Make sure that if you're feeling bad, it's for the right reasons, not the wrong reasons. When you know your reasons, you get to decide to feel bad. That's both healthy and appropriate in a lot of scenarios. Losing your job, spending more time with your kids than you ever have, getting sick. Give yourself permission to feel bad about those things. And then redecide how you want to feel about them. It might just be another flavor of negative emotion, like going from overwhelmed to cautious. You can redecide in an hour or tomorrow or in a week how you want to feel. At any moment, you can redecide. The idea is that you stay present to the choice that you're making that you recognize it as a choice that you're capable of making. When you're feeling bad for reasons that aren't serving you, like that the global spread of the coronavirus needs to change or you don't get to feel better, then heck yeah, you're going to need a lot of food to get through this. Food is going to be the only thing you can rely on to comfort you because you're unwilling to comfort yourself. You're unwilling to give yourself permission to feel okay about feeling bad right now. Instead, you're eating because part of you is believing that something has gone wrong and the only way to get out of that sense of something going wrong is eating. But eating doesn't make anything right in the world. Not even in your world. The one person you can control in this world is you and how you think about your life and how you show up in your life. There's a difference between deciding to feel stressed about the way that your life is right now and not feeling stressed because you're eating. The stress doesn't leave your body when you're eating. It just gets compounded 
by the guilt and the shame and regret and disappointment on the back end of eating the food. What's wrong with feeling some stress? Think about that. Can some of that stress be purposeful? Why aren't you allowing yourself that experience? What are you so unwilling to feel that you're more willing to end up making yourself feel worse just to have the temporary alleviation through the food? When you start feeling your feelings, food just gets to be food. It doesn't have to be a stress reliever. You become responsible for your emotions. And that allows you to take control not only of your emotions in a more mindful, purposeful way, but also of your life. One thing you can do when you power pause before eating some food is ask yourself, am I okay with the consequences of eating this? Is this extra food worth the extra weight I'm going to carry on my body and any health consequences that brings along with it? Or do I want to say no to this so I can say yes to the vision I have for my health and my body so I can say yes to what I'm experiencing right now and normalize that? If you're not pausing, you're totally missing this, right? You're just looking at the food and thinking, This is going to make everything feel better. When what most of us are needing is just an inner conversation. Hey, what's going on? Okay, I got you. Do you got you right now? When you're eating, you don't have your back anymore. You're turning away from what you're experiencing right now in your body and in your life. When you're unwilling to process the stress that might be going on in your life, unconsciously, you're also saying no to doing what it takes to produce the life that you want to be living, the result that you want to have in your life. And that sucks because it creates these fault lines in your commitment. And every time your world gets shaken up, it's your relationship with yourself that falls through the cracks. And you stop trusting yourself to follow through on how you want to be eating. So to make up for that gap in the trust, you tell yourself that you're going to be doubly hard on yourself tomorrow. You're going to raise the stakes. You raise the expectations that you had for yourself today that you weren't able to meet for tomorrow, making it damn near impossible to ever do right by yourself. And the stress of that makes all your doubts and judgments about yourself swirl and absolutely swarm you. It creates second and third and fourth layers of negative emotion. And that's what creates that impression of being sandwiched in with no way out. If you go into your body and notice what it feels like, it's like every muscle is tensing and holding And all that stressed out energy has nowhere to go. And it's emotion. It needs to move. Think of it this way. If you outstretch your palm and something landed on it, 
but you don't know what it is and you reflexively close your hand really fast all around it. Whatever you trapped in there is going to be caught in there. And it's going to expend a lot of survival energy trying to get out. But if instead, before reacting, before closing your hand, you paused, you could see what landed in your palm. You could have a look at it. And you might see that it's no more harmful than a butterfly. And you can have a look at that. You don't have to try to crush it or shake it off. When your palm is open, you trust that the nature of our emotions is just to be passing through. Our emotions only become trapped when we cling to them. When we can't recognize the emotion we're experiencing and get curious about it. When we open up and we can see it for what it is, just emotion, the emotion can let go of us. So when you're willing to experience some stress in the palm of your hand and you remain open to it, you keep the space open for another emotion to come in and another one and another one. And eventually the experience might become a pleasant one. But we have to be willing for it to be hard. When we close ourselves off to the experience of negative emotion, it feels protective. But what you're actually doing is trapping that stress inside of you. You're clinging to it. You're holding on to it. What lands in the palm of your hand obviously isn't always going to be a beautiful butterfly. But when you get good at feeling that negative emotion and it being something else, just becoming still as you breathe with it, you realize the stress passes so much more quickly. It lands and it takes off. It lands and it takes off. When it comes to stopping ourselves from stress eating or eating our emotions, what's kind of crazy is that we want to make it a complicated process. But really, if you want to stop yourself from stress eating, you just stop. You pause. You breathe. You stay in the pause however long you need, trusting that the emotion will pass. You don't have to do anything to try and get rid of it or resist it. It will come and go on its own if you let it. And if you're responsive rather than reactive, sometimes when you see the emotion, when you recognize it, say, oh, this is stress right now. This, this is what overwhelm looks like. You'll be able to help it along, maybe even brush it off. The danger is when you don't see it, you just feel it and you're immediately triggered by it, so you try to squash it right away. You try to eat it right away. Every time you run away to food to get away from what you're feeling, you're not actually escaping anywhere. The emotion is still with you, and it's wreaking havoc inside of you. We really have to question this idea that we should feel good all of the time because that's what has us running away to food to feel better. Clearly, we shouldn't feel good all the time because, first of all, we don't. So that's just the reality that we're here for as humans. And secondly, because feeling bad can be useful. If you lost your job, 
or you don't know how you're going to look after your kids right now, or you have loved ones who are vulnerable, it is normal and natural to want to feel bad about those things, to choose the negative emotion. When we give ourselves permission to feel bad, when we normalize our stress, we access our wisdom and creativity. We come up with solutions and responses. But the moment you eat your feelings, you revoke your permission and you cut yourself off from all of that. Because eating doesn't solve anything. It doesn't make the coronavirus go away. It doesn't add a couple of decimal points to your bank account. It doesn't bring everything back to normal. It doesn't even make you feel better. If you tell yourself the truth, it usually makes you feel worse. So ask yourself, what am I trying to solve here? And then focus on that. Go to work on a solution. Give yourself permission to feel bad so you can feel better about feeling bad. If you know chips and fast food and alcohol are your go-to when things get hard, just remove that option. Make an agreement with yourself that that's off the table. Tell yourself, we don't do that anymore. And allow yourself the creativity to come up with other ways to process your emotion and to eat during these times. It's all about prevention, precaution, and planning. When mindful, preventative healthcare is a way of life, by the choices of what we put on our plates, by how we feel our feelings, by how we move our bodies, it's a stabilizing, calming force. So I'm recruiting you through these times to help me create a different world for yourself and for every single person that your life touches. A world in which we don't have to choose between health and success. A world in which healthy is not equated with expensive. A world in which excess weight and disease aren't labeled as your fault, but as our responsibility. I'm recruiting you through these times to be an example of what it means to embody health, to say, yes, this matters, not just now, but always. We are the leaders in a global overhaul of our preventative healthcare education. This can be a time either to go unconscious or to wake up, to look deeply at how we are creating our health in our own lives, in our communities, and at a global scale. The MindBody Academy isn't an MBA, but it's the MBA we need right now. In our communities, in our homes, in our kitchens, and you get to be a part of it. It is up to us to study up and take the lead. Are you with me? All right. Take good care. Sending you and your loved ones good energy now and always. Talk to you again very soon. Thanks for being an awesome listener of the podcast. Your health is your number one wealth asset. And your body is the vehicle for you to make that contribution you want to make to the world. Step 
into a vision of success that includes health and happiness by joining my one-on-one coaching program where you'll work directly with me in Think Yourself Slim to do just that. Or be part of the conversation in the Genius Body community over on Facebook. Let's start a transformation today.